ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, 18 plus. You are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dio, what's popping? Hey, I got my Easter shirt I, on. Clearly you do. I got my Easter shirt on. Yes. Today's Holy Thursday. Did you know that? Is tomorrow Good Friday? <laughs> for some people. Ash Wednesday was yeah, yesterday? Except for, except for those that get a pink slip. Is that? And oh, they call that Not So Good damn. Friday. Did you know Fridays are the most common day for someone to resign or for someone to be let go they didn't tell me that at ea no what, what, what day did they let like you go tuesday did they really yeah, on a I, tuesday i think so i just woke up in the morning and i saw the email that said please bring your belongings like coach wants to see you bring your clipboard <laughs> hr will be present i'm like oh we're doing this now <laughs> okay no yeah so the day that we are recording this episode right i did not know this my wife would have had, had uh, told me but you know after uh Nine years of Catholic school. She knows all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's Holy Thursday. Mm. Therefore, I'm wearing my holy socks. Looks nice. Yeah, my holy socks. You have not seen my socks. But I'm assuming there's some sort of I'm sure there's a hole in there. I'm sure it's very rare. Half the time I have holes in my socks because I pull them up too tight. Oh, yeah. And actually, I don't rip the feet part. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. But yeah, I was looking in my closet and I was like, ah, my Easter shirt. If there there's ever a time to wear it, yeah. this would be the week. There you go. Yeah, so I rocked it. I should probably call the tailor up. I need to get taken in. Too much. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. But it's fine. You, I've seen worse on you. You've seen worse yeah. on me. You well, wear yeah. like sometimes you have you come. You don't wear them anymore, but you used to wear like the deacon. Like, hey, I'm at a, a Baptist church and I'm wearing like a, a blazer that's eight sizes too big. Well, yeah. When that's when I the first time I did 75 hard <laughs> and I lost like 35 pounds. You look like a little kid in pounds. that. Yeah, you, yes, uh, it looked terrible, but. I didn't know if I was going to keep the weight off, and I didn't want to go drop several hundred dollars getting my clothes refitted and tailored wow. unless I was confident I was going to keep it off. Shout out to Dio for actually just saying I'm going to get my clothes tailored rather than just buying new ones like I would. Yeah, no, I'm, um, I am have, I have a thing about wasting money, which is crazy because you see me throw <laughs> dice. Right. You've seen me buy drinks at a bar. Right. There's certain things that I find value in, at which point there's no cost right. that is... is Entertainment and fun and memories are yes. There's no price that can be paid. Yes, but I'm not going to pay you five dollars for a one dollar Snicker bar. That is true. I'm not going to go buy a new fifty dollar shirt when I can spend seven dollars to get the fifty dollar shirt that I love and I've owned for three years Damn. taken in. I I should do that because I have so many clothes. Well, Dry Clean World right by the office. Yeah. Shout out to Dry Clean World oh God, in Winter Park, yeah. Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do a fantastic job of tailoring. Really? Clothes. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm so, a, I promise you, I'm gonna I, look them up. Yeah, I used to. I mean, I went through like a five-month period of time where once a month I would just grab six or seven items out of my closet yeah. and bring them in. Way at the end. I st just stuff them at the end of just, the rack. Just just get them tailored, yeah. and then, yeah, I just go through the cycle until eventually I got through my entire wardrobe. And then by doing so, I could got, I got rid of some stuff I didn't like. Right. Or I'm like, there's no way this is worth yeah, $7 gonna, of yeah. getting it tailored. Yeah, right. Yep. So I'm doing 75 hard again. It's yep. my third time going through it. What's crazy is that people are like, Dio, you shouldn't do that. You don't need to lose any weight. And I had to remind them, hey, 75 hard is not a weight loss challenge. It's, it's a mental. Yes, it's a mental reset. This right. is a mental discipline challenge. So I am happy to announce, I'm like on day 24 or 25, I was many weeks up a pound. Mm. I'm currently at the same exact weight I started 25 days ago. Really? Yes. Seems like you've gotten a groove. You're a little bit less irritated on fringe, unless I just caught you at a good time. You caught me at a good time. Okay, thank God. You caught me at a good time. Perfect. So, so nonetheless, um, 
All right, that was enough personal talk for those that dig it. Now let's get to the meat and potatoes for those that want us to shut up. Okay, right. Okay. Today's episode, there's no like cool segue into the title. No, there, there's no cool segue, um, and we're going to jump right into it. And quite honestly, mm -hmm. it's because my work week since about January 1st mm. have been running a lot tighter than I like, right. meaning I probably work 10 to 12 hours a day, Monday through Thursday. I put in my solid eight on Friday, and then I pick up an extra five over the weekend. Mm -hmm. That's about eight more hours than I would like to be working, mm -hmm. but it's all good things. Yeah. Um, but what I am is I'm short on time today mm -hmm. and we're gonna lay out two episodes today so that we're working one ahead because yep. my next week is even crazier busy. So therefore we need to jump right into it. Okay. I would prefer to sit here and just talk shit with you for two hours. I would, one day, you know what? Put it in the future. One day we'll have a, we'll have a podcast. Yeah, just that. straight up talk radio, Howard Stern style. You know, but for this episode, we're going to talk about rate sheets, second homes and investment properties explained. Yes. Rate sheets, second homes and investment properties. Shout out to Danielle Anderson. Shout out Danielle. She's a fan of the show. She's an active tea lopper. She also happens to have been a guest yes. on the show. Funny how that works out. <laughs> can't really, can't wait to have some future tea loppers right. on as it makes sense. Right. Um, it's, there's a good story to tell, mm -hmm. right? If, it, if the audience would appreciate it. So Danielle reached out and she was basically like, Dio, I would love to see you geek out on WTF. What the hell is going on mm. with my rate sheets? What's going on with the inability to finance a second home with 10% down or the inability to finance mm -hmm. an investment property of 15% down? I could do this six months ago. I could do this nine months ago. What's happening? Something changed. Yeah, a couple something things have changed. Mm. So the first the first thing we'll talk about that changed is we're going to talk about the second home change because we actually did an episode, mm -hmm. which is crazy because now this episode is obsolete. It literally is one. If you are going to try to binge, don't binge this one. Mm. But we did a whole entire episode about the 7% rule. Yeah. The 7% rule was a regulation coming out of the FHFA where essentially they were trying to limit the number of second homes and investment properties that lenders deliver to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Mm -hmm. Because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which by the way, their conservator or like their parent, um, their guardian is the FHFA. But Fannie and Freddie's mission, just like HUD's mission, is to promote home ownership mm -hmm. and specifically home ownership for people who otherwise wouldn't have access to home ownership, maybe because their income was low to moderate, or it was it was of the area median income, maybe because they were a first time home buyer, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So their mission was never to help John Coleman mm. become a real estate mogul, Whoa. right? Their, their mission was never to allow Dustin Owen to become the short-term rental Airbnb king. Right. Don't get me wrong, I wish I jumped on that boat. I wish I bought that condo in Breck and that, mm. that uh, beach house in St. Pete Beach, like five years ago, mm -hmm. and I wish I was Airbnb in them, but I didn't. Um, so what they did, they first started and they swung and missed with the 7% rule. That was too hard to monitor. It was too hard to digest. They dropped it on the industry without any pre-warning. Mm. But what it was trying to state is you couldn't deliver more than 7% of your loans could be second homes or investment properties. Mm -hmm. Well, that went over as well as a turd in a swimming pool. So not very well. If you ever been on a cruise and someone's kid shat in the pool, never. it shuts down the entire cruise. Like you can never use that pool for that cruise. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it doesn't go over well. Right. So when it didn't go over well, they retracted it. 
made a couple adjustments, but then they just came out and said, well, we can do one, one different, one better. Instead of trying to monitor how, what percentage of loans would be delivered, mm -hmm. what Fannie and Freddie did is they imposed these new loan level pricing adjustments on second home. See, it used to be this, you would have one set of pricing for a primary home mm -hmm. and a vacation home, also known as a secondary home or second home would have similar, if not exact same pricing mo modules or okay. models. So me buying my primary home to live in with my family or me buying my beach condo, for the most part, I got the same exact interest rate. Okay. But if I wanted to buy an investment property, no, I did take on a worse interest rate, a higher interest rate because there's risk that's factored in. Yeah. Well, the newest, latest, greatest change, and it's for every loan being delivered April 1. So we started seeing this in our, in our um, rate sheets as early as March of 2022. Hmm. But like, holy cow, I used to be able to price out a loan and if rates were at four on a primary, they're at four on a second home and maybe they're at four and a half on an investment property. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they're at four and a half on a second home and they're at four and a half on an investment property. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that stinks. And oh, by the way, that's if I'm comparing a 20% down or a 25% yeah. down. Yeah. The minute I start trying to do 10% down, uh -oh. <gasps> that's even more risk. That's even another loan level pricing adjustment. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, these pricing adjustments, by the way, whether you're a home buyer, you're a realtor, or you're a lender, the pricing adjustments are typically in forms of basis points that need to be added in to the rate sheet. You can either add them in by charging points, which is upfront interest to your client, or you try to bake them into the interest rate. So today's rate is 4% for a primary, but if there's a 100 basis point pricing hit for a second home, then I have to work that 100 basis points into the rate. Mm -hmm. So now maybe that rate would be 4.375 but that would have been at an 80 LTV. Mm. This one's gonna be at a 90 LTV, it may be 300 basis points. So now all of a sudden, um, it's not a 4% rate, it's a 5% rate. Mm -hmm. So this is some of the things that have been transpiring when it just comes to, that's that's assuming the interest rate market has stayed flat, mm. which it hasn't. It has not. It's done the exact opposite of flat, yep. whatever that would be. Volatile. Uh, yes, like extreme, <laughs> extreme volatility. And really not even volatility, it's just like a moonshot straight up. Mm. So, but I think it's good for anyone who's trying to follow along at home to understand that these changes with Fannie and Freddie as it pertained to loan level pricing adjustments on second homes that we had never, ever, ever, at least in my almost 20 year career had seen, all of a sudden there are. So the same risk assessment, the same loan level pricing adjustments that we used to impose only on investment properties mm -hmm we're now also imposing them on second homes. And those loan level pricing adjustments are higher, the higher your loan to value is. Right. So put 10% down, your rate's worse mm -hmm. than if you put 15 down versus if you put 20 down. Or do you, how long will this go into action? Is this gonna be a knee jerk similar to what the 7% rule is just gonna go on for? Forever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this is what they should have done. This, this is what they learned. When they got the 7% rules wrong, mm -hmm. this is what they learned that they should have done. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the FHFA was put into place when the financial collapse happened. So when Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac almost went bankrupt, the US government stepped in, they propped them up, mm. and then they created a conservator, a guardian, someone to look after them. Well, the industry has been fighting hard and Congress has been lobbying to release Fannie and Freddie from the conservatorship, let mm. them go back to being some kind of a quasi government agency. 
But the fear is they don't have enough liquidity, they don't have enough cash assets, mm -hmm. that they're not equipped with the right amount of money if another 2007 or eight ever happened. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, they're looking at ways at raising that capital. They're, they're, they're looking for ways to also maybe mitigate the risk a little bit, right? Because if John Coleman's not gonna pay his bills and you owned three homes, you owned your primary home, you owned your rental home, and you owned the beach condo that your wife loves going to every weekend. Mm -hmm. But you're short $2,000 this month. Uh -oh. Of those three, which is the one that you're not going to pay first? I would say the beach condo. or the Your wife loves it, John. I know. I need to keep her happy. Probably just the investment property. Mm -hmm. The investment property. Mm -hmm. So does Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac really want to support you becoming a real estate mogul? No. No. And that's the most risk that they have. Same thing that they really want to support you, you know, having this, mm -hmm. this lavish lifestyle with homes all over the, the U.S. that you like to travel to. Not necessarily, mm -hmm. but they would love to help you with your primary home mm -hmm. as long as you're not out there buying McMansions, right? As long as you're not, which is why there are conforming loan limits. Mm -hmm. So um, I do see this sticking like this is this is the new normal. OK. All right. So this is the new normal. Cool. But while that was going on, so all that meant was. Hey, you used to be able to get pricing at a 90% loan to value for a second home. You might not be able to get pricing because, or if you do, holy cow, your client's not going to like it. Mm. Like that was probably more like it. Like, Hey, I used to be able to get great rates at a 90% loan to value. Well, now you can't because you have to bake in to your rate, all of that premium, all of that loan level pricing adjustment, all those risk adjusters. And if it's, 300 basis points, that's 3% of the loan amount. Damn. You can either charge it up front or you can increase it in the interest rate. Or can you charge it up front? And that's also an issue that we're facing. Mm. So this is a lot. Like I'm really getting geeky, but I need people to understand that there's a rhyme and a reason behind all of it. it it's not just someone waving their magic wand, right? It's not a puppeteer that's pulling the strings. There's there's a lot going on behind the scenes. This is the business side of the, mor of the mortgage industry. Mm. So... You, you have the risk, you have the LLPAs, we call them loan level pricing adjustments. So that already is making its, making its own issue because what I used to be able to do and I've been able to do for the past five, 10, 15, or even 20 years, I now can't do, or if I can, is at such a disadvantage to my borrower that they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. Like my buddy Chris was fine buying that condo and putting 10% down when he was getting a 4% rate. But now that his rate's five, no, it doesn't make sense to him. Mm -hmm. Maybe that extra 200 bucks a month doesn't work in his formula. Maybe if he has to pay two points, he's not willing to do it. Or maybe I'm like, hey, Chris, I can get you that rate, but you have to put 20% down. Mm. And he's like, I don't have it, or I'm not willing to come off of it. So like, we're dealing with that. That's just one issue. That mm. would be if the market had just flat flatlined. Mm. It just kind of been stuck in purgatory. Just, hey, yep, I'm not going up, I'm not going down, I'm just kind of floating here. We call that, by the way, channel surfing mm. in the bond market. Like when we're monitoring the MBS market, and we're not mm. really having much movement. We're like, yeah, we're channel surfing. Hmm. Up three bips, down eight bips, up 13, down five, kind of just in, in mm -hmm. between a channel and you're, you're bouncing back and forth. Well, for anyone who hasn't been living under a rock for the past 12 weeks, I was explaining this to a buddy of mine yesterday at Topgolf. Shout out to Topgolf. Shout out to Topgolf. And he's like, God, what's going on? Like, I just feel like, I go, yeah, here's what happened. Back in the... 2020s, we got down to like two five, two seven five. Those were interest rates. They were artificial. 
it was all due to what the Federal Reserve was doing behind the scenes to manipulate the markets to get rates and borrowing as cheap as possible. Mm -hmm. They needed to do that because they were fearful of what was going to transpire due to economic shutdown caused by the coronavirus. So they did it. So rates stayed low and artificially low, but they stayed low. Then we got into 2021 and they started creeping back up, but you know, they went from like two, seven, five to three and a quarter, two, seven, five to three and a half. They're, they're still there. Yeah. And then as we got towards the end of 2021, they started creeping up. It was recession was, was poking his ugly head out. It was becoming more and more evident that recession wasn't going to be transitory, meaning it was going to be like transitory temporary. Nope. This is going to actually last and it's going to sting and, Ooh, we have to address it. So then there was a time that I remember talking to my colleagues, there's this mental stigma. I don't care if it's five to six or if it's four to five or if it's three to four or four to five, whenever your, your interest rates are floating somewhere around 3.875 and 4.125, it's like one of the hardest times to negotiate and, and discuss rates with consumers because you and I both know there's not a whole lot of difference between four and Mm. 3.875, but to the consumer, I it's see a three into four. What yeah, happened? It's a three handle versus a four handle. <laughs> yeah. Now, in terms of their monthly payment, it's like 32 bucks a month. Yes. But hey. it's a big deal. Right. So I remember, and this was probably the beginning of this year. I'm like, yeah, once we can get into the four solidly. And by solidly, I meant four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Look, the consumer will understand, okay, my rate's four. That's four. That four means is if four, it's, it's four. Yeah, if it's 4.125, 4.25, 4.375, it's, it's four. low fours. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. But here's what happened. We bypassed the fours. They just shot right to five. You would just said, yeah, peace out, fours. We don't like you. Wait, wait, no. Oh, yeah. and it's gone. Nope. And yep. it's gone. It's like, you ever been to Epcot? Yes. So you go to Epcot in Orlando, Florida, and you try to like drink around the world. Mm-hmm. But then like you get to um, Sweden, Sweden yeah. and they have that nasty liqueur that they want mm-hmm. you to drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, oh. yep. So the mortgage market treated yeah. the fours. Yeah. Yeah. The okay. way I treat Sweden yeah. at Epcot. I'm yeah. like, look, I'm, out. I'm literally going from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to go straight to Canada. Yeah. I'm going from margaritas to Crown Royal yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Maybe I'll stop by like the Netherlands to get a good beer right. along the way. You yeah. know? Right. Well, yeah. So they treated the four. So we jumped right into the fives. Okay. Here's what people have to understand. You you all know because you've listened to all of these TLOP episodes. Of course you have. Right? You go to tloponline.com. Right. right. You are checking out the sales tools that we're putting up mm-hmm. on the website. You're on YouTube. You're on Spotify. You're on Apple. You've already subscribed. You share this with everybody. Everybody. Yep. You even follow us on Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because right. everyone's doing that at this of point. Of course. And if you're not, you're not cool. And nobody wants to be not cool. And if you're not sharing it, sharing is caring. Really? Then you're showing people you don't care about you them. You don't care. So make sure you're sharing. Yeah. Make sure you're liking. Make sure you're subscribing. Tloponline.com. Okay. Okay. So. If you've listened to enough, then I'm just going to reiterate things you've already learned. Mm -hmm. But mortgage interest rates are derived from the daily trading of mortgage bonds, mortgage-backed securities, mortgage bonds. Mm -hmm. Just like the 10-year treasury is a bond, MBS has its own market. They're bonds. Mm -hmm. When bond prices go up, rates go down. When bond prices go down, rates go up. And bonds in general hate recession. But also what bonds hate is they hate runoff. Mm, runoff. There's that word. There's that word I was talking to you yeah. about earlier. Runoff. Yeah. Well, what is runoff? When when I'm a bond holder, meaning I purchased a bond from John Coleman, the bond issuer, mm-hmm. I'm buying this for a price set today and a guaranteed rate of return on my money today. And as an investor, I have a algorithm that I'm following or an investment strategy that I'm following 
that I anticipate receiving these interest payments for three, five, seven, or 10 years. Mm -hmm. Runoff is when you, the bond holder, pay me back quickly. Mm. The bond, you know, so I'm-, I'm the issuer. Yeah, well, you're the issuer, I'm yeah, the holder. I don't want that. Like, I, I, that, that's, that screws up my investment strategy. Mm. I don't want runoff. I don't want rapid prepay. I don't want quick prepays. Well, anyone who studies economics, the odds are right now in our favor that we're going to see rates in the fives. They even may touch six. Mm. I haven't seen that until like 2000, since 2006, probably. Mm. But they're going to, actually seven, but it's okay. Um, they're going to touch six, potentially. And especially if you're buying a second home, putting 10% down, yeah, they are. Guaranteed. Right? If you're buying a condo tell, they're probably eight and a half percent. But you should be thrilled that you actually get 30-year fixed financing on a condo tell. Mm. You didn't want the mortgage. You wanted the home anyhow, right? Mm. But um, so when, when this happened and rates shot up, those bond issuers do not want to give any incentive to lenders to have a rate higher than what the market's going for because they're afraid of runoff. They, that's why I was I'm like, where was I going with this one, Dustin? They are anticipating the, 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 the recession. They are, they are anticipating a recession. The inflation that we're experiencing, the way to curb it and combat it is for the Federal Reserve to make borrowing more expensive, to jack up the Fed's mm -hmm. fund rate. That's how you slow down an economy. This is not going to be a graceful landing. It could be a hard landing. A hard landing, typically based on history, if history repeats itself, will send the U.S. economy into a recession. Typically, when you're in a recession, A, nine times out of 10, housing pulls you out of the recession. So my housing professionals out there don't freak out. But when you're in a recession, you have slow growth. Mm -hmm. Slow growth leads to deflation or, la or a slow down inflation, which means mortgage rates will come down. Wow. Borrowing will come cheaper. So if you are a bond issuer today or you're purchasing mortgage-backed securities today, you have to factor in that these might not have but a two-year shelf life. Hmm. And the higher the interest rate, the more likely that's going to prepaid quickly in the future as rates come down. So because of that, and Danielle, I hope you're following along at home, and I hope that this is making sense to you. If not, call me and I'll do my best to answer your questions. Right. But um, if the MBS market was not afraid of someone rapidly prepaying them because there was no indication that rates would potentially come down 12 to 18 months from now, mm -hmm. they would easily allow us to take the loan level pricing adjustments that are being imposed on second homes and on investment properties, and they would let us build them into the rate so that we don't have to charge them from the consumer. Because as a consumer, it's hard enough to come up with the 10 or 20% down that you need, mm -hmm. plus normal closing cost. When you start requiring 10 and 20% down plus two points of discount, two points of discount could be five or six grand depending on your loan size. Mm -hmm. Like that becomes harder to stomach. So in a perfect world, I could look at my rate sheet and I could see, well, if today's rate for a primary home is five, I can price in these loan levels of pricing adjustments and offer six. But by offering six, I don't have to charge anything to the mm -hmm. consumer up front. Mm -hmm. But you have the bond, the bond market saying, uh-uh. I don't want you offering six because a 6% interest rate has a three times higher likelihood of refinancing mm. in June of 2023 or September of 2023 than a five and a quarter interest rate does. So the market is like, I'm not letting you do that. In fact, the market may even say, 
There's no par pricing. This is the rate sheet aspect of today's episode. Loan officers are like, WTF? I'm used to being able to look at a rate sheet and I could give my, my borrower an option. You can, here's a low rate, but you're paying points. Mm -hmm. Here's the going rate with no points. And here's a slightly higher interest rate. And I'm giving you a lender credit back. Mm. Like those are the standard three options I would give any home buyer who is coming to me for a home loan. Great. However, in today's market. However, in today's market, because the bond market is de-incentivizing lenders from offering high interest rates, because the bond market is petrified of runoff, of rapid prepay that they only want a certain interest rate because their algorithm states that that's the most risk they're willing to take. They know they're going to have some runoff, mm -hmm. some, some rapid prepay that's built into their business model already because they have even geekier economists <laughs> yeah. and even geekier MIT graduates mm -hmm. working for them. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is mortgage loan originators and even consumers are getting quoted only with points, meaning you can only obtain this home mortgage that you qualify for if you pay extra money at closing. Right. It's not even an option. It used to be an option. It used to be, hey, John, here's your rate with points. Yeah. Here's your rate, no points. And here's an even higher rate, but it comes with a lender credit. Mm. Nope, not today. Your option is, do you want to pay one point, two points, or three points? What? Yes. And then lastly, I know we're getting long on time. Lastly, you got to deal with this. There's rules and regulations that were created to protect the consumer, mm -hmm. but without this particular market in mind, because who look, this yeah, is like, this is the worst uh, inflation we've seen and the highest growth in inflation, in like 40 years or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, who would have predicted a, a world pandemic right. and then the actual economic fallout or lack thereof a fallout, and then the economic stimulus that then mm. pushed rates down, that created a refi boom and a mini housing boom. And like, mm. who, who could have predicted? So these rules, there's two rules that loan originators, consumers know nothing about these. Realtors know nothing about these. And most mortgage lenders know little to nothing about these, which is why you should tune in and listen and take notes right now. There's the 3% rule. The 3% rule came out um, at the time of, of the uh, Dodd-Frank Act. And it basically states that when you add up certain closing costs on a primary conforming qualified mortgage loan, that those costs cannot exceed more than 3% of the loan amount. Well, that's all well and good because it hardly ever does except for on low loan amounts. Mm -hmm. So then, and I was actually part of a advocacy group on behalf of the MBA where we did like a little subcommittee and we, we tried to come up with various um, uh, suggestions to take to Congress yeah. so they could kind of loosen up the rule because it's not fair on a $90,000 loan or $120,000 loan. We were failing. It's a test you have to you have hmm. to pass that our, our loans failed the 3% rule. Well, the reason why is certain costs are fixed cost, regardless if it's a $90,000 mm. loan or a $600,000 loan. Like, I pay my underwriter the same to underwrite that file. My processor is the same to process the file. Mm -hmm. The title company has their same fee to close it. Yeah. So um, just know that there's always a 3% rule. There's a rule that we have to do as lenders. And if the borrower's closing costs are more than 3% on certain transactions, then we have to lower the cost. Hmm. Well, either the realtor pays for it. Good luck with that. Right. The seller pays for it. Uh-uh. Psych. Not in today's market. So then it would fall on the lender would have to pay for it, mm. which is why certain lenders 
will tell the, the consumers, yep, we don't do loan amounts under X. Hmm. They don't do it because they're trying to be dicks. They don't, they don't do it because they lose money. Hmm. And who wants to be in business to lose money? Nobody. Hmm. Do you know one business that's successful because they're in business of losing money? No, I do not. Uh, no. Not even not for profits. Right. They're very profitable. Right. Right. Okay. So you have the 3% rule. But technically, the 3% rule doesn't really apply to second homes nor investment properties. But you then have this other rule that no one ever remembers. And it's called the average offered prime rate, Bro. AOPR. What? Yes. And I might even butchered that, honestly, going on the, now that I'm thinking about it. But essentially, you could Google AOPR. And there's a rule that states that we as lenders cannot offer an interest rate that is greater than AOPR or two or AOPR plus two. Mm -hmm. Literally, it was such a non-issue the previous 10 years that yeah. I didn't even take the time to really get to know it very well. But now. But now with these new LLPAs mm -hmm. making second homes that much more expensive, mm -hmm. with the the interest rate market being schizophrenic and just bypassing the four handle, getting into the five handle, mm -hmm. and with bond issuers. The MBS market saying, uh-uh, mm -mm. we're not gonna we're not gonna allow you no, to wrong. offer those rates because we know damn well, based on our educated assumptions mm -hmm. and predictions, that we are going to have much lower interest rates in 18 to 24 months. And at which point all of these loans that we're doing today will be refinanced out. Yep. That we're not gonna offer it unless you pay points. And then you get into the what came first, the chicken or the egg. Well, I can't charge points because I'm going to fail either the 3% rule or the AOPR rule. Mm. So then that bait and then the interest rates are so high that essentially Danielle and everyone else listening, this was her question on YouTube. We're not doing 10% down second homes. I know Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac allow for it. You're not going to do it. Either the pricing is going to suck. Your borrower is not going to want to pay that rate. Your borrower is not going to pay those points mm. or you're going to fail the AOPR and then, then your branch or your company is not going to want to ever fund that loan because now they can't even do the loan. Like they're doing the loan at a deep discount yeah. because you're not going to get the seller to pay that fee. You're not going to get the uh, the realtor to pay that fee. So then it comes down to your branch. Your branch is not in business to lose money. <laughs> I promise you. There's going to be a lot of mortgage companies who lose money this year. So. Oh, no, so. I lived through 2018 and saw it. A lot, a lot of mortgage companies are going to lose money. Some, some they can stomach it. That may be part of their business model. They may have made gobs of money in 2021 and 2020, mm -hmm. and they carried some forward to Just rainy day uh, fund. Uh, yeah. Yep. Others, it may be time to merge, time to shut her down, mm. time to get acquired. Hmm. Um, but most don't want to, but there's going to be, there's a lot that are. Now there's some tips and tricks. Look, if you have one of those rare transactions where the home appraises for more than the purchase price, why not have the realtors draft an addendum, increase your purchase price to match the appraised value, and then have the seller give a seller credit so that you can charge those points. You can offer your borrower that interest rate, even if it's on a second home 90 LTV on a condo. Right, those are some some adjusters right there. There's some 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 pricing hits. Right. Like there's definitely some ways that loan officers can get creative, but they're not necessarily things that they can control. Right? The things that, that they can't control would be the appraised value, right? But if your appraisal comes in higher, look at doing that. Mm. Like that's that's a tip or a suggestion, but just know in a summary, yes, 
Fanny and Freddie purposefully are de-incentivizing people from taking out 30-year fixed conforming loans to buy rental properties and second homes. So that's increasing the interest rates. When you increase the interest rates and you're not allowed to push those risk adjusters into a higher rate because the bond market already doesn't want, doesn't like the rates where they're at, mm -hmm. then you're going to have to start charging points. But you might not be able to charge points because you may fail either yeah. the 3% rule or the average offered prime, the AOPR rule. Right. Hey, it's, it's, it's sticky. It's ugly. It's messy. Mm -hmm. But at least know it. Here's How about this? Loan officers. When I say share, like the reason why you'd want this episode to share because it's it's coming from me and not from you, right? It's a way for you to say, hey, look, borrower, hey, realtor, I'm not really full of shit. I'm not trying to sell you. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is a national publication. If you if that's what we are, global. We are global, aren't Technical. we? How many countries are we in? Do you know? Uh, more than twelve. More than twelve countries. Yeah. Okay. We've had listeners come in from more than twelve <laughs> countries, yeah. so we're global. Yeah. But we're at least national. We are yeah. coast to coast. Yeah. Like hey. This guy kind of knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Listen to him. Don't take it from me. I'm not like we as LOs, we're not trying to screw people over. We want a deal. We want to close a <laughs> yeah. transaction. We want to get a paycheck. Right. But I, I, there's things I can control and things I can't control. Mm -hmm. What the FHFA and Fannie and Freddie do, I can't control. What the market is doing, I can't control. What the market's willing to purchase and price, I can't control. What I can control is me. My education, the service I give, mm. how the effort I, I put in, I can control what I share with my clients. This is something that, hey, look, if you're struggling with this, listen to it, understand it, but then share share it with your real your real estate your real estate database. Share it with a borrower who may be a little perturbed that they started looking for those <laughs> for um, that uh, what's a cool place in Texas, um, Galveston mm -hmm. or uh, Lake Havasu. Okay. Is that even Texas? I don't sure, know. No idea. So they're, they're trying to buy the beach house in Lake Havasu, mm -hmm. and they're anticipating putting 10% down on a 30-year fix and getting a 4% interest rate. Hey, don't take my word for it. Listen to the guys over at TLOP. Yeah. Like, look, hey, I got bad news for you. Hmm. You're probably – I probably can't even price a 10% down, but if I can, the rate's 6%, you're paying two points. I'll let you talk this whole time. I have one question. Yes. Out of the changes that they're implementing, using your kind of – does anything concern you? Like, hey, I know they're making these changes for corrective purposes, but three, four years from now, I don't know how X, Y, Z could play out. Nope. Really? Nope. Does not concern me. Okay. At the end of the day, what will happen is it's going to force the private market to come back. That's what Fannie and Freddie have been dying for since 2007. That's going on 15 years. They want the private market to come back. Like, back in the day, Fannie and Freddie were only securitizing like a third of all loans that were a part of the conforming loan limit. Hmm. Now it's like 98% of all of the loans. Mm. Yep, so their goal is to force Citibank and force Wells Fargo and force JP Morgan and force um, let's Goldman Sachs to go create a private label security and to allow lenders to then go out and make these loans and deliver them into this security and have it not be backed by Fannie or Freddie, right? That's where the PSL, the private label security, PLS, Private label security comes into play. That'll end up happening. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, second homes and investment properties in Canada, this is really cool. This is really cool. In Canada, they're banning it. They're banning foreigners really? from buying properties right now because they're having such a housing crisis in terms of shortage. No way. 
Yes. It would not be a terrible thing if we quit l lending on second homes and mm -hmm. we quit lending on, on people are going to hate me for saying that, but not right now. Not right now. We, we, we could use having more homes for people who are looking to, to buy a primary home. We, we really could. So no, I don't see this. I think the private label will step, the, 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 the private market will step up. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll create a product that'll fill a need. Um, hmm. Nah. Nice. No, nah, not one bit. So hopefully this helped. Danielle, hopefully this answered what you were looking for. John, I have no idea I think uh, you how you're going to do the description. I don't know how this is going <laughs> to turn out or how much time we spent, but I know we're out of time. Okay. So how about this? He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You just tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. That's all the time we have for you today, but we will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.